the story behind the story in faith culture news and entertainment this is this is billy hallowell Hey, I'm Billy Hollowell, and I am super excited for today's episode. I'm actually having a guest on who I have known for a while now. We actually met for lunch about, I don't even know, it must have been four or five years ago, and I had a chance to to get to know her a little bit, and I followed her career for a long time. And the person I'm speaking about is Paula Ferris. You may know her from The View. She was the co-host of The View. She was also the co-host of GMA, Good Morning America, Weekend Edition. And Paula has a new book out, and I think it's so important. It's one of the topics that I have actually really struggled with in my life, and I think a lot of listeners, you, you've probably struggled with it. Maybe you're struggling with it right now, and that topic is finding our significance in the areas that matter. And so her book is called Called Out, Why I Traded Two Dream Jobs for a Life of True Calling. And what's so crazy to me is that Paula was at the top of her career, right? She had made she had made it. She was exactly where she wanted to be, hosting two of the most popular TV shows, not just one, uh, but two. And she made a decision to willingly step away from that. And when you get into the reasons for that decision, and I don't want to spoil the book or the interview that we're about to do, but it has a lot to do with faith and calling and where we're meant to be and where we find our value. And I think no matter where we are in life, you don't have to be working in media. You could be anywhere. These issues are so, so important. So with no further ado, I want to welcome Paula Ferris to the show right now. Hey, Paula, how's it going today? It's going great, Billy. Thanks for having me on. It's nice to hear your voice again. I know. I feel like it's and been see your face. a long time. I know. We could see each other. This is so nice. It's been a long time um, since we've caught up, and you've had a lot happen in the last couple of years here. And one of the things I've always loved about your career is that you know, you're a person of faith, you have a strong faith, and you work in media, right? And I think for a lot of people, for a lot of Christians, there's certain areas they sort of shy away from, you know, it's Hollywood and media and universities. And we, you know, we have these conversations. Um, and I think it's so important for us to be present everywhere. And so I've always admired that about your career. And you've co-hosted The View, you know, GMA Weekend, you made a decision uh, not all that long ago to step away. And I know this is probably a loaded question, but I guess we'll just dive right in. What what drove that decision for you? You know, I was at the height of my career anchoring Good Morning America Weekend Edition and co-hosting The View. And I really felt like I was walking in my calling, my God-given calling. And I leaned in so hard to what we're told to lean into, to, to work and to vocation to the point where like I thought my worth was my work and my value was vocation. And I leaned in so hard, Billy, that I burnt out. And I just took a snapshot of what was going on around me. My career was soaring, um, but my personal life was failing. Like the relationship with my husband was suffering. My relationship with God was suffering. The relationship with my children was suffering. My health was suffering. And so I knew that I had taken it to an unhealthy place. I had become addicted to what I did, addicted to the accolade, addicted to the achievement and the accomplishment and the high and the spotlight. And um, it became about what I was doing and not who I was doing it for. And so um, I, I knew that God was trying to get me to slow down. I sensed it. I think you can sense in your spirit when God's trying to get your attention. And um, I just didn't have an ease in my spirit. And like I said, I looked around and my life just felt like it was falling apart. My, my, you know, 
career was soaring, but my personal life was kind of in the tank. And I, I came to a point, I'm like, God, I know you didn't call me to this vocation to see my personal life and my personal choices, my professed values clash so deeply with my, with my professional choices. And, um, I didn't step away though, until I went through my call. I write about it in the book, Billy, it's my season of hell where, um, you know, I, I didn't, I, the fear was paralyzing me from walking away, even though I sensed in my spirit that I needed to. Um, I just, I was too scared, scared of what people were going to think that I couldn't hack it, that I was a failure. And I went through this season and within seven months, I had five major events happen to me, beginning with a miscarriage an emergency surgery. And then I was getting ready to go live for good morning America. And, um, someone threw an apple at my head, a projectile, 60 miles an hour, crazy, like freakest of all accidents Threw it 60 miles an hour, had a concussion for three weeks. So I'm out of work or I had a concussion and I was out of work for three weeks. I get cleared to go back to work that day. I get in a head on car crash Then I get influenza, which turned into pneumonia. And I was like, okay, God, I think, I, I think I know what I need to do. And, and that, so, those are massive, massive health events. And I'm so sorry to hear about the first, you know, it's it, seven months. And I was like, okay, God, you've got my attention. I know I need to slow down. I know I need that fear that's paralyzing me from, from walking into this unknown space, from walking away at the height of my career. Who does that? That I needed to do it. And um, I walked into this space of ambiguity where, you know, I asked my bosses, I said, I just need to slow down. I, and they said it was going to be bad for my career. Um, and I understood that it was not a great career move, but I sensed that it was what God wanted me to do. And it, what was really interesting to me is the moment I walked away from what I did, I didn't know who I was anymore. My identity oh, had been so misplaced in what I did. And, uh, there was, there were seasons of just, you know, a lot of guilt because here I am a professing Christian and it wasn't good enough to, to just be Paula, a child of God and wife and mom, and to kind of have a normal schedule. Like I needed to introduce myself as, hi, I'm Paula. I'm, you know, the, the anchor of Good Morning America and co-host of The View. I didn't have that anymore. And so I didn't know what to do with myself. I had a full out identity crisis. And there's so much there I want to unpack because what you spoke about, I think it's hard sometimes, and I guess we all have different hopes and aspirations, and so people have success in different areas, but whenever you talk, whenever I talk to people in Hollywood and media, and those are just two areas I tend to talk to a lot of people in, the whole facet of having a career that has fame come with it or notoriety come with it, and with that, there's, there's obviously money and fame and influence, and there's something about that influence piece that really gets in everybody's head and heart, I think. It's so hard to not allow that to happen, right? So even when you're walking with God and even when you're doing all that, to walk away from it, and I saw that I've seen this happen in different areas of my own life. I've seen it happen with other people where you really feel like, wow, my value is gone because I no longer have that thing. Of and there's course. such a lesson to that, though, right? That walking away from that. So, how did you, and I want to talk about identity because that's so important, um, but how did you take those steps to kind of say, okay, I'm feeling this, I'm recognizing this. Now, how do I move past this? 
uh, you're talking about after I walked away or I'm feeling the sense that God wanted me to move in a different direction? After you walked away. So after you made that decision, recognizing, like you said, oh my gosh, I don't even know who I am right now. I don't know who I am anymore. Right. Exactly. How do you pick those pieces up? Well, it was tough because I... I had to swallow my pride and I, I felt like I had to eat a big plate of crow because for so long I had said, I'm not defined by what I do and I could walk away and I'd still know who I was. Well, when the rubber met the road, Billy, and I walked away at the height of my career, I didn't know who I was anymore. And so first accepting that guilt, eating that crow, um, but just groveling on my hands and knees and like praying that God would help me through that space. And um, you know, talking to, I, you know, a, a small group, being in a really good connected group of people that can challenge you and hold you accountable. Um, uh, you know, just being in the word and meditating on scriptures and meditating on songs. I feel like, you know, God can really speak to you through sermons and songs and scriptures and people and dreams. And so, just being in a place where I was surrounding myself with the right voices and the right messages. Um, and it's really in that space is, you know, where I write a lot of the book and that's where I feel like I discovered what it is to root into, you know, unshakable, um, unmovable purpose in life and discovering true calling the purpose, having nothing to do with career, Unfortunately, it's career and calling are so intertwined. They're synonymous, even in the faith circles, you know, but, you know, separate from the faith circles, just in secular America and around the globe, I introduce myself to you. And then I say, you know, I'm Paula, I'm so-and-so, or I ask you, right. what do you do for a living? It's one of the first questions you ask someone. It's baked in as if your only value to society is your vocation and Billy, I, I don't have stats on how many times our vocations shift throughout our life, but they do shift. Our vocations, are, are they're going to change throughout our life. And if we're so rooted in what we do and that identifies us and that's where we feel like our entire calling is, the moment that there's a slight shift or a moderate shift or a large shift, we're going to have an identity crisis. We're not going to know who we are outside of it. So for me, getting back to... Um, you know, really rooting into the word and rooting into scriptures and surrounding myself with the right voices was really important. And then you decided, and I want to I want to talk about the book called Out, which you've mentioned here. And this is your new book. And I love I love the subtitle: Why I Traded Two Dream Jobs for a Life of True Calling. What what was it that led you to say, you know, I've gone through this now. I want to write about it. I want to share with because it's one thing to go through it. It's another thing to actually document it for other people. Well, it's interesting because I, I, the joke is I've always been an open book. I just never thought I'd write one. I, I honestly, I never thought I'd write a book, Billy. Um, I was approached by a publishing company to write. I, I had been approached over the years, you know, since I was at the network to write a book. And I'm like, I don't want to write something unless God's put something on my heart to write. And I really feel like he put this on my heart to write it. And it's not just my straight memoir. I conduct interviews in the book and it's observation. I'm chronicling other people and, and they're misplaced, how we're kind of all doing the same thing to ourselves. We're misplacing our significance. And you see that right now, what we're going through in this crisis, our jobs are being taken away, our livelihood, our finances, our loved ones are, are dying to COVID. Our significance 
is gone because so much of it has been misplaced in things that can easily uproot with a crisis such as this. And so that's what I want to help people. You know, I had my own personal crisis, um, which led me to this decision, but I hope that the book just helps people to really root in and anchor into that and find that unshakable purpose, their purpose on this earth, completely outside of what they do for a living. You need to know who you are outside of what you do. You need to be able to introduce yourself. Okay, I'm Paula. And two years ago, I would have said, I'm Paula Ferris. I'm co-host of The View, you know, anchor Good Morning America. I had everything to do with what I did, where I found my significance. Okay, now it's, I'm Paula Ferris. I'm a child of God. I love Jesus. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a champion of others. I'm a questioner and I'm dogged in my approach. It has nothing to do with career, right? I, that's going to be unmovable and unchangeable and unshakable in my life. So I want people to be able to discover their true unshakable purpose and also discover their, their true calling in life and to be able to distinguish between a vocational calling and a purpose, a life calling. You know, and it's so interesting as you're talking about all of this, I'm thinking about the different phases of life. You know, it's so easy to kind of look back and be like, oh, now I understand why those things happen. Or now I get why those pieces were falling into place when they did. At the time, you're thinking, though, why is this happening to me? Why am I? You know, I've had that happen so many times. And here you are sharing in this book. You've gone through this amazing career and you're still working in media, but you walked away from those two big positions, right? Difficult thing to do, but yet now you're being used in this amazing way to share this message. And so it's like, again, you look back and sometimes I just have to kind of do that in my own life and say, okay, you know, I don't know what you're doing, God, but who do you want me to talk to today? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to behave? I've been trying to wake up and do that every day because for the first 32, 33 years of my life, I really didn't, I was a Christian, but I really didn't do that. I kind of was like, here's what I want to do. Here's where yeah. I want to go. And okay, God, like, let me know along the way if you're okay with it. Right. And so yeah. shifting that perspective um, is an important thing. And since you've done that, and now you're talking about that, how, how has life changed for you? It's interesting because I have a totally different perspective on vocation now. And, you know, it, for me, it was just a big paradigm shift. Um, I had to a recognize that my worth wasn't my work and my value wasn't vocation and my calling, frankly, wasn't my career. I had to accept that. I see my vocation as a branch and it can, I can branch out as long as I stay rooted to that vine and my purpose. My purpose is to love God and love people. The vocation is just the way that I do it. Mm. And the vocation is going to shift. I can't get too rooted into that vocation, finding my identity from it, because uh, the moment I do, I have misplaced my significance, right? So I stay rooted in it. But, you know, it was just it was a, a paradigm shift. The, the vocation for me, uh, career, it's a conduit by which I will love God and love people and giving myself the permission. You know what? Um, I can branch out if I want to. I'm not one dimensional. I'm multidimensional. I can off ramp if I want to. I'm not going to buy that lie from society that says, you know, I'm a woman. I have three little children. If I want to off ramp for a little bit, I can't off ramp because I can't get back in. That's such a lie. So it's, I've learned so much about the space of vocation, the lies that we've been telling ourselves, my misplaced significance, and just, um, you know, how to root into what matters, what's unshakable and unmovable, especially in a crisis, whether it's personal or it's a, or it's a global crisis. 
Well, and that's what we're called to do. And it, it's sometimes it, it's so hard to do is to put God at the center, right? And I think for a lot of us, we put ourselves at the center and we realize we don't think we're doing that. It's so easy to buy into the lie in our own heads of, oh, yeah, you know, I've got God at the center of everything. But yeah, you, know, right. you realize really quickly that, you know, maybe we don't. And sometimes we need to have that re that recalibration. But I love what you said about it being the conduit, right? No matter what you're doing. And I don't know, I feel convicted a lot of times when I read scripture and, and I look at just how in the past I have looked at people I want to interview or things I want to do and the way that people are treated and just the inequality of treatment of people in my own head, in my own heart, right? That person's of more value because they can actually get me the interview I need to dot, 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 right? And so it's possible to have good motivations, but in myself, I've seen sometimes that, okay, those motivations haven't been good and I haven't actually treated everybody equally the way that I should. And so- that that falls into that whole high. I'm so and so, and this is what I do. That whole mentality that culture breeds, and so what can you do for me lately? Because our worth is in doing, not in being. Right? Exactly. Total worth is in doing. And exactly. Not and you see that. I mean, you see that so much. I think and again, lots of careers, but you see it in media a lot because that's what you're dealing with, right? You've got to get viewers or clicks or whatever facet of media you're in. In Hollywood, same thing. You've got to get people to watch or read or view. And so it's convicting. It really is. Um, I, I just think it's important to remember, and we say this a lot in Christian culture, unfortunately, like you know, I've heard preachers say, you don't have to find your calling. It'll find you. It's, and I don't even really know what that means. We like, we throw this word around so often, so ambiguously, but it's important to, to be, and not just to do, to remember that the worth is not the work and the value is not the vocation and calling is not career. Like we have to stop buying that lie, not just from society, but like churches, places of worship need to stop stop feeding that to us as well. So it's not just the messages we're get from, getting from society. It's also the messages that we're getting from church, Billy. And Absolutely. From, from, you know, it's as if like, as if that's our only value. Um, and so it's not, it's not our, just our, it's not our fault. It's, it's not squarely our fault. Um, the one thing I do want to say is like, I just think, you know, it's not everybody's called to make the same decision that I did. Okay. I did. I feel like God called me out of a dangerous space where I was totally addicted to my job. I had become, uh, you know, addicted to that accomplishment in the spotlight. Now I have to remember what I'm doing and who I'm doing it for. And we throw that around a lot, but asking yourself, why am I doing this? Am I doing this so that I can be a conduit? So I can be a vehicle to love God and love people, or am I doing this for another award? Mm -hmm. Am I doing this for that attaboy, which obviously feels good, right? But just, you know, and asking yourself, are my professional choices clashing with my professed values? Absolutely. That question as well. God needs people in every area. He needs people in the media. He needs people in Hollywood. He needs people on the runway, okay? We're supposed to be salt and light in a dark world. Um, for me, God's calling me into a different space now and allowing me, giving me permission to branch out, but more importantly, you know, telling me that my worth is not my work. That's, that's not it. My purpose is to love God and love people the way I do it is through vocation. Well, and, and through called out now and what you're talking about and writing and doing, you're actually helping other people on that journey. And I think a lot, again, a lot of people, this has been what you're describing is the exact struggle 
that had led me to kind of make different decisions in my own life and that I still have struggled with. Even there are days where I'm like, am I doing the right thing? Like, why? And you, you get ahead of yourself and you get ahead of what God wants for you when you do that. And so kind of, I think there's so many people listening to this who, who struggle with that. And especially now you were mentioning losses of job and money and the things that COVID is creating. It's a, it's really kind of a powder keg um, for a lot of people, I think, to be feeling the same way in different areas of their lives right now. Absolutely. And it's normal to feel like that. Um, you know, I felt like that after the loss of my significance when I stepped out. And so I, I, I get it. And, you know, we're, we're all feeling it right now in, in a myriad of different ways in COVID. Um, you know, some have, some are feeling it inherently more than others. Um, but I just think it's an, an important time for us to ask ourselves, where are we placing our significance? Has it been misplaced? Are we putting our significance and identity and purpose and value and calling? Are we putting it, are we placing it on things that move in times of crisis or in things that are unmovable and unshakable? I remember my, when I, I dedicated the book to my dad who passed away when I was writing the book and he suffered a debilitating stroke. Okay. We can talk a lot about why good things ha or bad things happen to good people, why God allows suffering. You know, my dad suffered a stroke, couldn't eat, speak, swallow, like couldn't even take a sip of water and basically starved to death from April of 2018 to February of 2019. And when you lose a parent, you, 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 I say my dad gave me the gift of perspective and the gift of, of, of knowing what's important, what's consequential and what's inconsequential. And one story that I that I that I tell people is, you know, we place such a such an impetus and a value on what we do and doing and doing instead of being. <clears throat> and on my dad's gravestone, it says nothing about what he did for a living. Nothing. It's that he was a loving father, a loving grandfather, and a loving husband. It has nothing to do with him being, you know, genius, uh, being an electrical engineer, about all the things he did, did, and did throughout his life. It's about who he was, those things that were unmovable, you know, child of God. And that's one thing that that will always stand out to me. And and just days before he slipped into a coma, he wasn't able to talk because of the stroke. But he could answer closed-ended questions like he could nod and say no, yes or no. And I asked him because he was crying at the time. He'd, he would cry a lot because he was in pain because his muscles were just atrophying and his body was shutting down. And I said, Dad, are you, are you crying because you're in pain? And he said, he, he said no. He you know, shook his head no. I said, are you crying because you're sad? And he shook his head no. And I said, are you crying because you're surrounded by love and you're overwhelmed by all the memories? And, you know, all the loved ones are here with you. And he said, yes. And he just started crying and he slipped into a coma that later that evening. And that's a moment I'll always remember my dad who really had the struggles of his own throughout his life um, until he found peace in God, you know, in his mid forties, um, you know, really rooted into what was important. And he could have climbed the ranks as an electrical engineer. He was genius level. My dad was brilliant, but he made his own decisions to, to be, be with the family as much as he could and to be a family man. And when it was his time to go, I mean, those months from August to February, he was surrounded by his, you know, friends and family at, to the point where people, you know, at the, at the facilities were like, we, we've never seen anything like this, but the man was so beloved because he invested in 
people and relationships and, and he loved God and he loved people. And, um, yeah, he left such a legacy. He really did. Well, and what you're describing actually really puts a beautiful bow on everything you're talking about, right? What really matters? Is it the job? Is it, you know, it's, yeah, those things matter, but that's not what really matters, right? What really matters is what you just described and being able to ask your dad that question and hear him or see him confirm that it was the love that was giving him that peace in those moments. That at the end of the day is what matters. And we need to remember that. And I think it's so easy to forget it. And so I'm so appreciative that you wrote this book and that you're speaking out on this. If people want, I always ask people this, people want to get the book. I think Mm -hmm. they know where to go. Amazon, you know, it's everywhere. Uh, But if people want to hear your podcast or, or see more of what you're working on, where can they go to find out more? Or just check out my Instagram page or go to Twitter and you can hit me up on either. I'm pretty easy to reach. My handle at both is the same. It's Paula Ferris. And Ferris is spelled just like the city of Paris, but with an F like Frank. Makes I, it so easy. <laughs> I know most people spell it F-A-R-R-I-S or F-E-R-R-I-S. So Paula Ferris, you can hit me up and just say that you heard me on Billy's show and I'd be happy to to respond. I, I, I hope the book blesses people and really empowers them to just, you know, root into to that unshakable purpose that each of us has and to really help them find and discover their true vocational calling. I do some really fun interviews with people to um, with some experts to help us find sometimes we we feel like maybe God's pulling us in a different direction vocationally. And there's some really good chapters in there about how to tell if God's leading you into another vocation. As well. I was going to, well, and, and I was going to ask you that too, because a lot of people say, and it's so funny, my, my seven-year-old, she says to me all the time, like, how do I know? And last year she was asking me this a lot. Like, <laughs> how do I know when God's telling me something, you know, I don't yeah. hear him. I don't hear him. And so I was explaining to her, you know, that in our hearts, you know, when we seek and, and she seems to understand that now, but I think as as adults, we ask that same question. Like, how do we know, you know, maybe we're feeling unsettled. Like how did, sure. and, and I know just to jump back into it, cause I think it's so important. How did you know? And how do people know that maybe it's time to make that change? I, well, I, for me, I sensed it in my spirit. I knew that God was trying to get my attention. Uh, when I surveyed the land and my relationships were really suffering and I was working crazy hours and I knew that I was on a collision course for detriment. I didn't know what was going to happen, but, um, my health started suffering. And then frankly, I, I went through that season of hell with those, those events. And I, I, I got, I knew God was trying to get my attention. I really knew God was get, trying to get my attention. I don't think I, I would like to think that most people are probably wiser and can, are listening to God and more in tune with God than I was at that time. But I was so plagued by my fear. I was scared of what I was walking away from these dream jobs, the height of my career and what I was walking into. Um, <clears throat> but that's where I think God, like God speaks to you. He speaks to you through people, through trusted people in your life. And he speaks to you through that song that you heard on the radio that really just like, oh my gosh, I felt like that was played for me. He's speaking to you through scriptures and sermons and in dreams. And I think you just have to listen to, for God's voice. And, um, I will share this, uh, in the book, Uh, I do an interview with a gentleman who used to be the former head of the Department of Intelligence Agencies after 9-11. So he he facilitated the 18 or 19 agencies, including the FBI, CIA, 
at post 9-11. And I interviewed him because he said that he felt called to go into government. And I was like, okay, if one other person throws around this word calling, like I'm just going to blow my gasket because we throw it around so much, but what does it actually mean? Can you articulate it? And he articulated in a way that was one of those aha moments for me. He said, you know, that God is vocationally calling you into a particular area. If you are good at it, if you love it, and other people notice that you're good at it and you love it. So it's not enough, Billy, just to be good at it and for other people to notice you're good at it. You have to love it too. So I'll give you an example. Like my one of my dear friends, she's a business correspondent, and she gives the best, most sound business advice. She should be a consultant. And I've told her this. Other people have told her this, but she doesn't love it. She's like, I won't do it because I don't love it. I'm good at it, but I don't love it. Um, another example, my son, my middle child, he is a gifted athlete. Golf is like he was just born inherently with the most beautiful swing, can crush it. He's so good at it. People notice he's so good at it, but he doesn't love it. So you can notice if God's like, for me, I knew God was trying to call me out of a different space to, to take this new leap. And I don't really know where it's all leading. I would love to see that you know, the next chapter, but I know that part of making a significant choice, there's always going to be fear involved and there's faith involved. I, you know, taking that first step when you can't see the rest of the staircase and fear pushing past your fears that you can't, you don't, you don't know what it's always going to look like, but God's commanded us, you know, have I not commanded you, you know, be strong and courageous and Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. He knows we're going to be afraid, but the onus is on us to push past those fears. And we know when God's trying to get our attention. Um, but back to that, like the three-step formula of vocation, I think it's a really good thing to apply to all of our lives. And, um, you know, whether you're in college or you're post-college, you feel like God calling you to something else. What are you good at? What do you love? And what a trusted people in your life notice that you're good at and you love. I look back for me. I'm, I've always been curious and in, inherently curious, nosy. My nickname growing up was Paula 20 questions. I love to ask questions. And my high school drama teacher and my college professors were the ones that were speaking life into me saying, you need to go into broadcasting. So um, I look back and that three-step formula to vocational calling really applied so perfectly for me. I love, I really love that. And I, and I think that piece of, do you love it? is so yeah. important because you can end up being so miserable when the other two line up, but the love piece doesn't, right? Because it, it, it is, isn't something you were supposed to do. So mm-hmm. I love that 20 questions. That's hilarious. That's great. Oh, Paula, 20 questions. Paula, 20 That's 20 a nice saying. I just wouldn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, I was always getting in trouble for talking. That was that was my thing. Like I always did well in school, but I was always talking. So, uh, well, listen, thank you so much. And we're going to make sure we link out to the book called out and we will make sure people grab copies of that. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. It's great to see your face again. And hear I know. Your- I know. We got to connect more. This is great. Thanks for listening to the Billy Hallowell podcast. Visit Billy on Facebook or Twitter at Billy Hallowell for more on faith, culture, entertainment, and plenty more.